Welcome back to the South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans from the West Coast. I'm your host, Zach Moore. Today is Thursday, October 12th, 2023, and it's just going to be a one-man show today. Paige is traveling for work. I'm also in the middle of a pretty hectic work week myself, so I asked Chad to stand down this week and uh, that I would figure out a way to jam in a quick solo pod today to preview the Buckeyes matchup this Saturday with Purdue. Yeah, believe it or not, we all have day jobs and don't cover Ohio State football professionally. (laughs) But I'm sure that was already pretty obvious from the extremely high production value of this show. (laughs) Now, we're going to have the whole gang back next week for a preview of the Penn State game. But I will be sharing score predictions for the Purdue game, both from Paige and Chad, along with my own, before I sign off today. I also have a few new observations from the rewatch of last week's performance against Maryland that I'd like to share. And that's actually where I'd like to start. Now, after rewatching the telecast of Ohio State's 37-17 win over Maryland last week, I came away feeling even more impressed with the play of the Ohio State secondary. And I thought the Terps presented a really good stress test of the Buckeye secondary in that game. Every starter in the secondary, plus Jordan Hancock, was tested in one-on-one coverage on a deep route at least once in that game. Now, credit the Terps, they did hit two of those deep routes. Both of them were to Ja'Shawn Jones. The first was in the second quarter on Maryland's field goal drive. Talia Tungabailoa hit Jones for 26 yards on Sonny Styles. Now, Jones had a step on Styles for sure, but it wasn't like Styles was in a different zip code. He did actually get his hand in there, but Jones made a really nice contested catch on the play. Then in the third quarter, Tungabailoa had a nice back shoulder throw for 23 yards to Jones on Jordan Hancock. Now, I thought Hancock was pretty much in Jones's jersey on the play. He might have even been flagged for pass interference there, but still, I thought he had pretty good coverage. And again, you got to credit Jones for a nice contested catch on the play. Now, Maryland probably should have had one other big hit, which was late in the first quarter, leading 7-zip. Tungabailo went deep to Caden Prather, who was in one-on-one coverage with Lathan Ransom. Ransom had a little trouble finding the ball on the play. Tungabailoa threw it a little short. Now, Prather tried to work his way back for the ball. He appeared to make the catch initially, but upon review, the ball hit the turf. Ransom had decent coverage on the play, though. Um, but outside of those three throws, I thought the Ohio State corners and safeties held up really well against the barrage from the Maryland passing game. Now, on 41 pass attempts, Tungabailoa was held to a 51% completion percentage, and he did throw the two picks to Proctor and Ransom, as we discussed on Sunday. I was also really impressed with the physicality from the secondary. I thought that really set a different tone in the second half that helped the Buckeyes get control of the game. Now, it started with Josh Proctor lighting up the Maryland return man on the ensuing kickoff after Chip Trainum tied the game at 17. Then Lathan Ransom and Denzel Burke both had big hits on Maryland ball carriers on that drive before Ransom came up with his interception a few plays later. That sequence of those big hits, starting with Proctor on the kick coverage, followed by Ransom's interception of Tonga Vailoa, really swung the momentum. And Ohio State would proceed to dominate the game from there. Uh, I'm not sure the secondary is going to have a bigger test before Michigan than what they got from Maryland last Saturday. And I understand they still have to play Penn State, but I absolutely love the way the group responded to the challenge from the Terps last Saturday. And that really stood out to me on the rewatch. 
One other observation from the rewatch of the Maryland game, Joel Klatt on the telecast was really harping on the failure of the offensive line to get to the second level in the run game, which gave Maryland linebackers free runs at Chip Trainum and Mayan Williams all afternoon. Now, when I watch the games live, I almost always watch them muted because the commentary often just makes me more agitated than I already am. I mean, Gus Johnson in particular, the guy is just too much for me when I'm watching Ohio State. I mean, I'm fine watching Gus Johnson when he's covering other teams, but I just I can't stand the guy when he's covering the Buckeyes. So the inability of the offensive line to get to the second level was something I did not pick up on watching the game live. Uh, And I didn't hear Klatt's commentary on that. And I think as a result on Sunday's recap pot, I may have downplayed the impact the poor play of the offensive line had on the run game. There was actually a pretty awful clip making the rounds on Twitter of Josh Fryer on a running play. And he blocks absolutely nobody. First of all, he seems to be loafing it and not really running with any kind of urgency. I think he ended up like running into the back of Donovan Jackson. And of course, the play went nowhere. Now, Page thinks it's officially time to panic about the offensive line and the Ohio State rushing attack. And he says, don't be fooled by any improvement we might see this week at Purdue. PBH, I think many of the guys on the Ohio State beat, like Bill Landis and Doug Maurice, would agree with you, my friend. And the numbers right now don't tell an encouraging story. Ohio State is currently 98th nationally in rushing offense. They're 64th in yards per attempt. And relatedly, they're 68th in third down conversion percentage and 105th nationally in converting their red zone opportunities into touchdowns. Now, there's been a lot of talk this week about whether Ohio State should simply lean into being a pass-first, kind of air-raid-style offense. We talked about it on last week's Maryland preview pod. Page thinks Day needs to be game planning for a pass-first approach for Penn State and beyond. Now, this is from Bill Conley of ESPN, and I'm going to quote him here. Conley says, quote, Ohio State has played against two top 40 defenses this season, Notre Dame and Maryland. There are five more left on their schedule. And aside from a single 61-yard burst from Trey Henderson against Notre Dame, Buckeye running backs averaged 2.9 yards per carry in those two games. That's against Notre Dame and Maryland, though we should note that Henderson did not play against Maryland. Conley goes on to say, you obviously can't completely give up on running the ball, but Ohio State is rushing 55% of the time on what Conley likes to call standard downs. That's first downs, second and seven or less, third or fourth, and four or less. And those plays are resulting in a standard down success rate of just 48%. That's 66th in the FBS. That is not good. Conley says the Buckeyes are falling behind schedule a lot and making McCord's life more difficult. If Ohio State is going to make another CFP appearance, McCord is going to have to air it out more, end quote. Now, look, I, I understand the sentiment. You have Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ibuka. Kyle McCord is rounding into a very nice quarterback. Cade Stover is an excellent pass-catching tight end. The offensive line has actually been pretty good in pass protection so far this year. Why not throw it on every down? But here's where I'm conflicted. The Buckeyes still play in the Big Ten, outdoors in October and November. Remember the Northwestern game a year ago? Do you remember the 2021 Michigan game in Ann Arbor? 
Uh, you can't always expect weather and field conditions to cooperate with your passing game. And I think that's kind of where Ryan Day's head is right now. You know, playing in the Midwest in late October and November, Ohio State does have to be a threat in the running game. And look, they're fucking Ohio State, for fuck's sake. <laughs> You're telling me you can't find a way to live somewhere in the 40s nationally in rushing statistics? Now, I mean, I have the same concerns as Paige does, and I agree that the offense should lean more pass than run, certainly against the likes of Penn State and Michigan. I mean, right now, Ohio State is only throwing 52% of the time. That probably needs to be closer to about 60%, but they do absolutely positively have to be a threat in the run game, in my opinion. And, you know, maybe I'm being a little Pollyannish here, but I'm not yet in full panic mode about the offensive line and the run game, though maybe I should be with Penn State and Wisconsin looming later this month. I'm going to set my concernometer for the offensive line and the run game at a six right now. I'm sure, PBH, you have it much higher. For me, it's a six. As always, I reserve the right to change that in the light of new information, of course. Okay. Let's have a look at number three, Ohio State's next opponent, the Purdue Boilermakers. The Buckeyes travel to the house of horrors known as Ross Aid Stadium in West Lafayette this Saturday. The game is a noon Eastern kick on Peacock. Sorry about that, PBH. By the way, folks, if you don't subscribe to Peacock, you better get subscribed, otherwise you won't get the game. The line is Ohio State minus 19 and a half. The over-under is 49 and a half. Ohio State leads the all-time series between these two schools 41-15 to with two ties. But Ohio State has lost five of the last eight games they've played in Ross-Aid Stadium, dating back to 2000. And that includes their last visit in 2018, which was an embarrassing 49-20 debacle, which was their only loss that season and ruined their playoff hopes. The Buckeyes finished 13-1 and did not make the playoffs that season. That was... Urban Myers last season as head coach. Now the Boilermakers come into this game at a disappointing two and four. They were 20 to 14 losers to Iowa last Saturday in Kinnick. They are led by 37-year-old first-time head coach Ryan Walters, the former Illinois defensive coordinator. Jeff Brom is now at his alma mater, Louisville, and doing a pretty damn good job there. The Cardinals are undefeated and ranked 14th in this week's AP poll after a huge win over Notre Dame last Saturday. Now, Purdue comes into this game 72nd nationally in total offense, averaging 390 yards per game. They're 95th in offensive yards per play at 5.35. They're 60th in passing, averaging 248 yards per game. They're 89th in rushing offense, averaging 142 yards per game. The Purdue offense is led by Texas transfer Hudson Card. Card was a top 100 recruit, number 70 overall out of Lake Travis, Texas, back in 2020. I believe that's the same area that produced Baker Mayfield. Now, Card spent three seasons at Texas where he was a backup before transferring to Purdue during the offseason. He comes into this game ranked 35th nationally in passing, averaging 240 yards per game. That's good for third in the Big Ten. He's completing 63.6 of his passes. Now, he's only thrown six touchdowns to five interceptions. He's also been sacked 14 times already this season. So, Card is on pace for double-digit interceptions and upwards of 25 to 30 sacks this season. Now, Purdue has a pretty good receiver in Deion Burks, who leads the team with 396 yards and four touchdown catches. 
Their leading rusher is Devin Mockaby, who averages 4.2 yards per carry. Mockaby has four rushing touchdowns. And they have a pretty good second back in Tyrone Tracy, who averages just under six yards a carry and leads the Boilermakers with five rushing touchdowns. But Ryan Walter said earlier this week that Tracy is injured and not expected to play against the Buckeyes. Purdue will also be without their best offensive lineman, right tackle Marcus Bowe, and their starting tight end, Max Clare, who are both injured and out for the season. So the offense coming in a little banged up. It's also been reported that Hudson Card was a little nicked up against Iowa, so he's not going to be 100% coming into this game either. Now on defense, Purdue ranks 77th nationally in total defense at 380 yards per game. They're 73rd in defensive yards per play at 5.58. They're 68th against the pass, allowing 226 yards per game. They're 87th against the run, allowing 154 yards rushing per game. Now, that unit will also be down a pretty important starter, their best cornerback, Marquise Wilson. Wilson was also lost for the season with an injury. You know, look, these numbers don't point to a very good Purdue defense. However... There is one thing the Boilermakers do exceptionally well, and that is getting after the quarterback. According to PFF, the Purdue defense has 125 quarterback pressures. That's only six fewer than Penn State, which many people think is the best defense in the country, and that's considerably more quarterback pressures than both Michigan, which has 87, and Ohio State, which which only has 74. Purdue is also tied for 14th nationally in quarterback sacks with 18. That's only two fewer than Penn State. Now, the Purdue pass rush is led by edge rushers Kadron Jenkins and Nick Skorton. Uh, Jenkins leads the team with 30 quarterback pressures and four sacks. Skorton is second with 20 quarterback pressures and three and a half sacks. Purdue also has a pretty good player in safety, Dylan Theneman. Thieneman leads Purdue in tackles and interceptions with three. He also has an excellent PFF grade of 81.5, which is second on the team. So, you know, despite a 2-4 and four record, this is not a totally incompetent Purdue team. There are some things they do reasonably well. I mean, by Big Ten standards, they have an above-average offense. They're sixth in the Big Ten in total offense. And Hudson Card is third among Big Ten quarterbacks in passing yards. And now they do have a little trouble <laughs> protecting Card. I mean, and he throws too many picks. But Purdue can move the ball through the air. And the Purdue defense is second in the Big Ten behind only Penn State in quarterback sacks. And that's an area to watch given the struggles of the Ohio State offensive line so far this season, though they have been pretty good in pass protection. I think this could be a pretty good tune-up for the Ohio State offensive line uh, for the Penn State game. I think that they're going to be facing, I think, some pretty good pressure from that Purdue front, and that might help them prepare for Penn State. Now, I'm looking at the forecast here, and there is about a 45% chance of rain with some wind. It looks like maybe 14, 15 miles per hour. It's a noon kick. We know the Buckeyes have had trouble getting up for these noon kicks. Uh, we saw it last week against Maryland. Uh, the Buckeyes have a huge game next week against Penn State. Uh, could there be a little bit of a look-ahead variable at play on Saturday? Ohio State still has a young quarterback in McCord and an offensive line that is still very much a work in progress, to say the least. 
Now, there was no update from Ryan Day this week on the status of Emeka Ekbuka, but the sentiment among the Ohio State beat is that it would not be a surprise if Ekbuka is held out of this game to keep him fresh for Penn State. Now, the word is that Trey Henderson will return for Purdue, but, you know, we'll see. It's pretty well documented at this stage that Henderson is a player who, health-wise, Ohio State has not been able to rely on. So we'll see if he actually plays. And of course, you know, I don't need to rehash Ohio State's struggles in Ross Aid over the last three decades. I'm going to set the concernometer at six for this game. I feel like the Buckeyes have to be careful. I'm just kind of re- ticking down my list of of things here. And it, it kind of adds up as a game that Ohio State has to be really careful uh, or they might lose if, if they don't play well and if they're not focused. I mean, they certainly, I don't think, can come out and play the way they did uh, in the first half against Maryland in this game. Okay, let's get to some score predictions. Now, I had the boys send me theirs in advance. Paige likes the Buckeyes 32-10. to 10. Chad, not surprisingly, is far more optimistic with his prediction. He has the Buckeyes in a laugher 52-13. to 13. By the way, Chad's prediction of the Maryland score last week was the closest of the three of us. His prediction was Ohio State 41-17. The actual score was 37-17. So good for you, CP. And I would be thrilled if your extremely optimistic prediction for Purdue comes to fruition. Now, the Buckeyes have faced three Power 5 opponents, Indiana, Notre Dame, and Maryland. All three of those games were very close at the half. The Buckeyes only led 10-3 at the half against IU. They led the Irish 3-zip at the half, and they were tied with Maryland. I said it last week. This Ohio State team is built to win differently than Buckeye teams of recent vintage. If you're expecting a 50-burger every Saturday, Chad, I'm looking at you, I think you're going to be disappointed. I mean, with the exception of maybe one or two games left on the schedule, I think it's going to take the better part of three or even four quarters for Ohio State to put opponents away from here on out. I like Ohio State 31, Purdue 13. I think the defense will carry the day again. I think this is going to be a pretty good test for Kyle McCord and the offensive line going up against the Purdue pass rush. I think this is going to be a close game at the half again. And I think it's going to take Ohio State the better part of three, three and a half quarters to put this game away. And it might be a little uncomfortable for Buckeye fans for a while. All right, that's going to do it for me. Expect a recap of the Purdue game from yours truly on Sunday morning. Then we're going to get the whole gang back together again at this time next week to preview Penn State. Until then, thanks so much for listening and go Bucks. been listening to the south stands a buckeye football podcast you can follow us on twitter instagram and facebook and visit our website at southstandsosu.com